That's right. He is the president of the Malaysian Wellness Society here to uh, help explain to us some of these very interesting newly released articles on medicine. Good morning, Dr. Rajban. Good morning. Let's get to our first article so that you can give your professional opinion on this. This one says that eating processed junk food regularly may lead to early aging. So what is it in processed food that causes early aging, doctor? I think we know that processed foods by now, a lot of research that, you know, maybe can trigger off cancer, can trigger off a lot of inflammatory conditions. So I'm not surprised that it can actually even trigger off early aging. Uh, They say it can shorten your telomere faster. And I think it's all the chemicals and toxins that are in our processed foods. Now, most of the chemicals and toxins will increase free radicals you know so when you got increased free radical there's more free radical damage that will cause inflammation inflammation is known to cause many diseases and it probably also affects your telomere where you can shorten the telomere so your telomere is you know every time a cell divides it replicates the shorter the telomere gets you know that means the faster you're aging mm. and the day the telomere is gone you are gone basically that's what happens right. so uh, if you can accelerate the telomere breaking down and if fast processed foods can do that then I think that's basically you're actually accelerating your aging process I mean this research makes sense that yes processed foods can increase your chance of aging faster so should we completely remove all forms of processed food from our diet that'd be the best advice to tell people but it's of course not very easy isn't it uh, I mean we are surrounded by processed foods we are a very busy society uh, sometimes you just want something fast to eat and go everywhere around you you see uh, foods that are full of processed uh, chemicals toxins whether you go to supermarket whether you go to even a grocery store, anywhere, they're full in the, all the teens, everything, they all precede process. They are processed because they need to s- stay longer, to you know, their Preserved, half-life is longer, yeah. Yeah, shelf-life is longer. Uh, though they say the levels are low, children harm us, but long-term, if too much of consumption, so I think over time, this will add on and this can cause pros- problems. So, I suggest maybe, possible, do it on your cheat days once a week. The rest of the time, go more for natural, fresh fruits, vegetables, things like that. Things are more fresh that are more natural. Are there different kinds, I mean, different levels where maybe fast food is very processed and then there are lower levels of processed foods you cannot say it all depends I think you again look at your when you go to do your shopping or look at you know things you can actually tell you right. some of the things that are there uh, but fast foods we don't know isn't it we don't know uh, whether something is really how processed it's yep, not chemical yep. a lot of time we don't even know what ingredients are in those so we cannot say the pot stands at 2800 ringgit for lights 15k sounds like it could be yours from 10am onwards but right now health wise is where we focus on your physical health and today we're with Dr. Rajbans who's helping us go through some recently published medical articles now this one is interesting because we just interviewed someone with psoriasis who has psoriatic arthritis as well it's like a painful inflammatory condition of the joints that can occur in up to 30% of patients with psoriasis. But the question here is, doctor, how does a disorder of the skin actually cause inflammations in the joints? Yeah, I mean, this is part of what they call a seronegative arthritis because psoriasis actually is an autoimmune disease. Okay. You know, it's, it's a skin disease, but it's autoimmune. So in psoriasis, you can get the typical rheumatoid like, uh, you know, like rheumatoid arthritis is another arthritis. You know, you can get pains in the joints, can be in the hands, the hips, you know, the knees. And uh, they also can get something like ankylizing spondylosis sort of pain in the spines. So this can happen. And this is part of that, that whole seronegative, you know, the condition 
conditions that are called ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, which are actually symptoms of diarrhea and all that. You know, that right, he has yeah. colonic uh, inflammation also can cause arthritis because it's all part of uh, autoimmune disorders mm. rather than just skin or bowel disorders. So, and they can, like you said, get severe sort of arthritis. So, it's autoimmune thing. So, you have to sort out the autoimmune part and that might also help the the inflammation of the joints. So, you mean our immune system is attacking the joints as well yes, when, when they have psoriasis? Yes, it's part of the whole inflammatory condition that's going on. Okay. So, wait, you treat the psoriasis if someone has arthritis or do you treat the arthritis and then... I mean, you, tr- you have to treat the psoriasis because that's the inflammatory condition. So, you reduce the inflammation and that itself might help the, the pain of the joints. Uh, of course, sometimes you might still need to give painkillers to help the inflammation of the joints get better. But it's actually going down and treating the underlying condition. That means in here is psoriasis. You treat psoriasis, the inflammation might get better. The joint pains could get better. Okay. Is there a cure for these autoimmune diseases? I mean, now psoriasis, a lot of new research, a lot of new drugs are coming out. Uh, that's why it's good to go and see the you know, the skin doctors because they are in the latest. I mean, those days you just use things like steroids and you know, long-term steroids have their own side effects. Mm-hmm. But now there are no new drugs, new biologics. and So you have to go and see your skin doctor to see what are the latest available. And some of them actually do very well with the treatment. Okay, so they treat the psoriasis and then the arthritis will go away. Yeah, because it's, you're treating the inflammation. So as you treat the inflammation, the psoriasis gets better, the inflammation of joints will get better. Ah, I see. Interesting. Now, doctor, researchers have suggested that a ketogenic diet could help prevent um, Alzheimer by creating a more healthful balance of microorganism in the gut. What is a keto diet? Let's start with that, I guess. Basically, this is uh, became famous long time ago for a weight loss, basically, or to help people with diabetes. And what they do is they, you know, you get energy either from your carbohydrates yeah. or you get energy from fat, you know, which one you burn. So what the keto people, in keto diet is basically you take away all your carbs. So you use fat as energy. So it starts burning fat uh, to use as energy. So you get ketones. So that's why they get a keto diet. Okay. Right? So they eat full fat diets. Yeah. So initially, I mean, someone like Atkins made it famous, but Atkins had a lot of protein in yeah. his Yeah, there's high protein, right? Yeah, yeah. a lot of proteins. Uh, and uh, a lot of people enjoyed that. But, you know, <laughs> long, long term, we did we realized that proteins are you know, such a high protein diet, not really Someone's good. Someone's going to get gout. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> all the other things. But, you know, so a lot of people today actually are uh, more on a healthier keto diet. They use a lot of uh, good fats and a lot of vegetables and they still stay away from carbs and uh, so the body go into ketosis they produce ketones now the interesting part is we we now know there's a connection between the gut and the brain mm. you know from things like autism to alzheimer's to maybe even other brain disorders they say some of the bacteria in the gut actually help the brain so there's a connection between the gut and the brain and also the other thing is that if you get a lot of bad bacteria in your gut your intestines uh, they can lead to a leaky gut syndrome where toxins go in and toxins are one of the causes of uh, causing inflammation in the brain and starting off the whole Alzheimer's uh, problem. So, you know that if you lose all our bacteria, you lose about 3 kg of your weight. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, so we that's, have that's 3 kgs of bacteria so in our much, gut. Yes, that's how much. And this is wow. something that's been going on for ever since man was around so it's been coming down from your you know from your ancestors ancestors and it's all there so it, it seems to have a symbiosis with our body okay. so I think having the good bacteria very important now carbohydrates sugars 
increase the risk of getting bad bacteria growing. So I believe that's like a, there's a big battle going on there between the good and the bad. Mm. You know, so when you take a lot of carbs, uh, sugars, you take a lot of processed foods, you take a lot of toxin that probably damages the good bacteria. So, uh, you take a lot of things like antibiotics, so kills the good bacteria. Bad bacteria grow up, so uh, damages your gut, and then your leaky gut syndrome starts. Probably kills the bacteria that actually helps the brain. So this probably is going on. So when you take go on a keto diet, you actually take away all carbs. You mostly go on a healthy diet, so you probably can't take most processed foods because most processed foods will have sugars. Yeah. Right. So you're taking away actually all processed foods. You're taking away all sugars, and you're probably going on a lot of vegetable, high fiber diet, and that's exactly what your good bacteria need. Okay. So probably good bacteria growing in, and that probably helps your brain, and that probably will reduce incidence of Alzheimer's. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on a three kilograms of bacteria <laughs> in my body. I'm like a walking petri dish. <laughs> Health-wise is where we focus on your physical health and well-being. Dr. Rajmans is with us to go through some recently published medical studies and findings. Now, Doctor, this next article uh, is very interesting. It's a very interesting study because scientists have discovered that honeybee venom kills aggressive breast cancer cells. But this was, of course, done in a laboratory test, right? So how viable is a treatment like this when it comes to introducing venom into a person's body? Like, do these toxins not impact our body negatively? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, I think a lot of uh, our treatments actually come from nature. They say you get a disease, but nature got a cure. And uh, they found this active ingredient in melitin, this honeybee venom. So, now, of course, it's going to be a long process. It's just done in the lab. Now, it's taking that, that uh, ingredient and seeing how they can, you know, make it safe enough for it to just kill the cancer cells and not kill normal yeah, cells. Yeah, because if yeah. we get stung by too many honeybees, we will die as well, okay, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's the, again the, the toxin inside. So again, it's going to be a long process how to take this ingredient, make it safe in such a way and target it just for the cancer cells, not the normal cells. So And, and that's then going to go through a whole lot of first phase one, trial two, three. It's going to be a, some time before we even can know whether this will work. But it's always interesting to know that uh, there's something like a venom which can be taken from just as you know honeybees and there are a lot of honeybees out there whether taking that and whether it can be a treatment for cancers but again with all uh, chemo or cancer drugs uh, the worries is it only going to kill cancer or is it going to kill also the normal cells Mm. and that's where the whole research will be so time will tell whether it will work or not okay but how soon can a research like this be used as a treatment like are we talking years or decades we're talking of uh, minimum at least 10 years I think because your phase 1 is to see safety then they go to phase 2 where they take more people in and but even before they go phase 1 phase 2 they have to see whether they can actually take this in the and target it just for cancer cells and not normal cells so it's going to be a long process and then they go to phase 3 where they actually go before they can make it into a product which is phase 4 and all them take years before they can get through the process so I think from start to finish minimal will be 10 years or more even wow Yeah. so don't start harvesting honeybees at <laughs> home just to think that it can actually fix you right? but it is promising I guess yeah. and like you said doctor nature will cure yeah. anything that yeah. Yeah. Say everything nature has got a cause the disease nature can you know have the cure. Yeah, go natural, right? Now, a study published in the Journal of Nutrition shows that older people who eat plenty of vitamin C uh, have the best skeletal muscle mass. Now, now, doctor, we know that vitamin C is good for our immunity, yeah. right? But how does it help with maintaining 
aging muscles. Vitamin C actually helps you synthesize, uh, synthesize your collagen and also maybe carnitine, you know, the amino acid carnitine, which are both needed for formation of muscle, you know, just like skin. So a lot of people take vitamin C to, to help improve their skin, right? So I think that's that's how vitamin C helps the muscle. Also, they say it has uh, been antioxidant. It prevents free radical damage that can also damage the muscle. So I think that's how vitamin C helps. And uh, of course, that's why, you know, people who take a lot of uh, vitamin rich foods uh, vitamin c rich foods like fruits vegetables actually are better so yeah i think it's definitely good to do that now people tend to lose their skeletal muscle mass as they get older right but um if someone only starts taking vitamin c a little bit older in life will it still help now it's coming a big uh, thing in aging circles we actually do, do doctors like me geriatricians who actually specialize in frailty in the elderly we use the word frailty that means older people getting frail and one big condition looking at is sarcopenia sarcopenia is loss of muscle bulk as we get older and it's more of a multi-system once you lose muscle bulk you're probably also having less protein your antibodies a lower risk of infections, risk of cancer goes up. So you're not just, uh, you know, someone is frail, but it's a generalized condition. So we are really looking at uh, people with sarcopenia. If you have sarcopenia, your risk of falls are higher, your risk of dying earlier are higher. So we want to prevent sarcopenia. So focus is on exercise, especially strengthening exercises. We get physio to help you, the right nutrition, to make sure you've got the right nutrition to go in. Uh, uh, make sure you take enough amino acids. Uh, and now we know vitamin C is one of them. Vitamin D is the other one, right? That will help you to build up your bones and muscles. So I think it's really good that... Uh, so vitamin C, not just for immunity, but vitamin C will help your bone, uh, your muscles and probably your skin. So you also might look better as you're aging. <laughs> Won't have so much wrinkles. Eh? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Now, what should they do though if vitamin C isn't the right option? Is, are there any other options that they can use? I mean, again, the diet of good f- fruits and vegetables will give you a lot of uh, antioxidants of vitamin C. Again, exercise and uh, you know, this is very important to maintain your muscle bulk. Exercise is still the key. You know, not just aerobic, but also strengthening exercises. Thank you so much, Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Thank you. Listen to our HealthWise podcast on the Shock app. That's S Y O K.